Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Hi, my name's James. Excited to be continuing our series in Live Like Jesus today. Part number seven. Seven parts. Wow. And there's there's another one, yeah? Um, But really excited to be unpacking this with you today. We've been looking at discipleship to Jesus, being his apprentice, learning from him how to live like him. Uh, another phrase that we've used is embracing the lifestyle of a disciple. Embracing, it's like taking on, being like, yes, absolutely, I'm up for this. I want to grow, I want to learn. Jesus calls us to a life of following him. And so a couple of weeks ago, I unpacked, well, what does that look like? And I gave this analogy of a bike and that on the one hand, we've got be with Jesus, abide with him, spend time with him. And then on the other side, it's just do what Jesus did and, and that it's like a circular process. As we spend time with him, we do what he did and then it leads us back. And that all of this is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's like the electric engine on the bike that I, uh, an electric bike. Now, for the last couple of weeks, Alice and Ian have been looking at the process of transformation. Alice looked at the Holy Spirit and Ian looked at community last week. And so I want to continue in that theme of transformation, but I'm going to be looking at it through the lens of teaching and training today. Now, I think it's easy as followers of Jesus to go, yeah, I want to change. But actually in our hearts to feel quite disempowered to get to the point where it's like, yeah, but I've tried. I did try. I've tried these things that you talk about, but I've never quite managed it. And so my my aim of today is to inspire you that at the heart of it, we can change, that it's a lie that we can't change, that God wants us to change. He wants us to look more like his son. He wants us to grow in 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 the kingdom where he is the king. And I think there are so many areas where the Lord wants to break into our lives. The question is how? How do we change? And it's where we keep coming back to. Now, if you go into any bookshop like we used to back in the old days um, before COVID. In fact, I actually went to Waterstones a couple of weeks ago. I love bookshops. I love the smell of new books. I'm one of those people that just love to. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and as I walk into a bookshop, I'm like, there is so much knowledge in this place. It's incredible. But there are so many books in there about how to change, how to think good thoughts, positive thinking, um, mindfulness. That's a big thing right now, isn't it? How to change your habits. And and many of them are helpful. But the greatest teacher, without doubt, was Jesus. And the scriptures are a book all about transformation. How do we let God change us? How we partner with the Holy Spirit to become more like him, to live like him? John Mark Homer says you can't experience the life of Jesus without living the lifestyle of Jesus. And, and many of my conversations as a pastor revolve around this subject of how to change. And it's interesting. It's often only when people have reached that point where there is something massive in their life. It's like, bang, something emerges that we get to the point of, OK, well, let's talk about this. And it's because there's this mess that's happened. 
But changing habits, breaking addictions, not letting the past define us, forgiving, being grateful, overcoming the things of the world, you, you know, these are all subjects of change. In short, how do we live a kingdom life? So I want to start in, start in Mark 1.14 today. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus's call and the response that he was looking for from the crowd in this moment is repent and believe. And, and this word repent, you know, we come back to it again and again. And actually, it sounds like a very harsh word, doesn't it? When we say repent, you know, it's even the tone sometimes that we put on it. But repent is the Greek metanoia. And it more literally means change your mind, change your thinking. And so much of change starts up here, doesn't it? It starts in the mind, the control centre for everything, the beautiful mind. And, and to repent is to reimagine your life from the ground up. And it's a whole new way of thinking. It's a, it's a paradigm shift. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to re repent. I want you to turn around. I want you to completely change your way of thinking. And so today I want to unpack the role of teaching and training in discipleship. Because teaching is aimed first and foremost at the mind and the imagination. Teaching is to counter the stories that we often end up believing that are not true. Teaching, when it's done well, says more than, well, do you know what, this is right and this is wrong and this is Greek and this is Hebrew. It's more than the accumulation of knowledge. Teaching, when it's done well, it gets inside your mind and it gives you an alternate vision of how to live. Sometimes it's like, well, that story that you believe, it's a lie. That, that narrative script that you're living out, it's not true. That worldview that you've bought into is not the true story of the world. In fact, there's a better one. There's a kingdom one. Now, every day our culture is feeding us a story or even multiple stories, multiple storylines. Often they have the same themes within our culture. But the danger is we start to buy into it. We start to believe it. And we take this story of culture far more than we take his story and the kingdom story. But it takes time to rewire our brains because the lies that we can end up believing are so often deeply embedded into our psyche. And the key passage that I want to look at today is Romans 12, 1 to 2, that many of you will be familiar with, written by the Apostle Paul. It says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's goodness and how kind he is to us, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's exactly what I've just been saying, that these storylines, don't conform to it. Don't let it get in. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Newing means ongoing, continuous process. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So after 11 chapters, a pretty full on theology that we see in the book of Romans. I love the book of Romans, but it's very full on. Paul is building and building and building. And in chapter 11, we see stories of, of faith, heroic stories. And Paul's saying, therefore, because of everything that I've just said, renew your mind. That's what has to happen. And, and for Paul, the, this step of 
transformation is the renewing of your mind, the changing of our mind. But it's not a one-time act. It's not like at salvation we have this moment where just our, our mindset changes and everything's fine. It's like, no, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, the mind continues to need to be renewed. In fact, if you read all of Paul's letters, you realise that he's hammering again and again the way that we think, our thought life. Let me give you an example. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, we have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 5, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you wanted a verse just to meditate on this week, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is a huge verse isn't it Colossians 3 3 set your mind on things above not on earthly things Paul keeps coming back to the mind he's like this is the control center Dallas Willard says the process of spiritual transformation in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with images and ideas that fill the mind of Jesus himself yeah coming back to this we we need the mind of Christ I love this phrase spiritual formation it's something that I I really like I find it helpful because at the heart of it we're all being formed we're all being spiritually formed it's just what is that thinking God thoughts Um, what are the stories what narratives what people what news for instance this last week I I've been watching the American election as, as many of you will have been as well you know it's a big moment for our world isn't it And in doing so, I watched three different news channels. I watched BBC News, CNN and Fox News. Wow, they are telling different stories. It it might be the same election, but it's so incredibly different how they're telling it. Now, I'm not being political in this moment. I'm just saying they are looking at this whole event completely differently. And these things affect the way that we think. It's so easy to get caught in destructive patterns of thinking that are not true, that are not from God, that lead us into a place of darkness in our soul, particularly in this moment right now. You know, some of these words I think are so prevalent, fear, isolation, anxiousness, bitterness, anger, envy. Some of these things we can feel in our society right now. And if we begin to take on these qualities and as Christians, we're not immune from them at all we we can take these things on not the fruit of the spirit the opposite of the fruit of the spirit they do not lead anywhere good they lead to destructive to destruction there is a battle on for our minds for every single one of us and it's different but similar themes will surface for me personally you know I've got my my family here and that and that's wonderful. But one of the things that I'm feeling is as the pastor of, you know, called to shepherd God's flock. Just feeling overwhelmed in this moment, but just by the by the need, it's like, oh, my goodness, even in our community. And then there's our city, which you know, we feel called to as well and feeling underlining there's just always more to be done, more connections to be made, more people are hurting and just that desire to want to be involved. And there's a great side to that, but there's a really dangerous side as well. Guilt. And a couple of months ago, you know, just feeling fairly overwhelmed by by this situation and just praying, God, you know, speak to me. 
and and he imparted just a couple of things to me that have been bedrocks that I've been able to stand on. The first one is this, you can only do what you can do. Again, that's really obvious, but I'm like, Poof, light bulb moment, you can only do what you can do. And for all of us in this moment, you can only do what you can do. What I've called you to do, each day you get up and you do the things that I've called you to do. And if you do that, then that's faithfulness. You can only do what you can do. And then the second is, and this is just personally for me, I called you to lead in this moment. It's like, oh, okay. And so for, the, for me, those two things feel like a little bit of Jesus being poured into my soul. But I know that there are a whole lot of other stories that I could tell myself as well. There are a whole lot of another, other narratives that I can cling on to suddenly. And so I have to be really aware and need the mind of Christ. Starting point, God, give me your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We need to be renewed day by day, moment by moment. We need to be aware of destructive patterns and be on our guard. So, so coming back to transformation, there are all sorts of ways to get teaching into our mind in order that the stories and the narratives that are not true, worldly stories, worldly worries, worldly concerns, do not overwhelm us. And so the opposite of that is that we need to fill ourselves with godly truth, faith stories, the words of Jesus, the wisdom of the scriptures, the voice and direction of the Lord, ultimately the mind of Christ. And I think there's some really simple ways to do that, to take this teaching part um, and put it into our lives. So obviously the first one is the reading of scripture. And the image that I like to use is of truth being dripped into our soul. Sometimes we're, we're waiting for these revelation moments in scripture. And yes, we absolutely have those, but it's almost more like a truth drip going in bit by bit by bit by bit into our souls. Now, sometimes that could be reading whole sections of scripture. Other times it's um, meditation just on the verse, you know, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. OK, sit on that. Just that that verse. For me, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Memorization, something I've been doing with my kids. And I think it's just so helpful just to begin to memorise scripture because it's there when you need it. You're, you don't always need to get your Bible out. You're like, oh, yes, I just need to arm myself with this truth today. Now, that doesn't have to be done alone. That can be done with other people as well. So that's the first one, scripture. The second one is good books, testimonies, stories filling your mind with these things. Now, if you're not a reader, get audible and listen to stuff. Here's a few things that could really inspire you. There's the grace outpouring, the story of Felder Brennan. Brilliant story. Mountain Rain, Dirty Glory by Pete Gregg. Again, these are just inspiring stories that as you read them, your faith lifts. Secondly, sitting under teaching like today. I, I genuinely believe that if people have engaged in this series for, for the seven weeks that we've been teaching, and they've been open to the spirit that something will happen and that we will begin to change. It will make a difference. Fourthly, podcasting, other watching other teachers. You know, there is great stuff out there. I regularly watch other people. I am not the authority on all things. And sometimes you're like, that is a brilliant teacher. That is so inspiring. I would encourage you to listen to other people as well. Finding a mentor that can teach you, who can discern and speak into your life. And um, if you can't find one that's alive, then, you know, there are books that mentor us as well. Often I look to, to books that can really speak in. 
teaching in our community. Let the community help to disciple you. So teaching, how do we get teaching into ourselves? All of those ways. But teaching by itself is not enough. There is a most often a gap between what we know and what we do. Almost everyone, let me give you an example. Almost every one of us, almost every one of us, would agree that eating healthily is a good thing. We know what's good for us. What will make our body work well, both now and over the long term. How many pieces of fruit we should each day, uh, eat each day, basically a lot. That sugar's really bad, that um, eating too much meat's bad for the planet, that in alcohol has an incredible amount of calories in it that in fact we only need about 2,000 calories a day. And the really depressing thing is the older you get, the less calories you seem to need each day as well. We all know that, we're all educated on this. There is nothing wrong with the amount of knowledge that we know. However, practice is a different matter. For me, bad, bad food just calls out to me. It's like, oh, bad food. I look at an aubergine and I look at a Greg steak slice and a battle ensues in my mind. It's like, oh, the aubergine is so good. It doesn't taste good, but I'm sure it is good. The steak slice is so bad. What shall I eat today? Am I saying I love a Greg slice? Yeah, maybe I am. But my <laughs> stupid analogy, I know. But actually eating is, is quite a helpful analogy. It's not about knowledge, it's about what we love. So to move this kind of back to, to a God theme, I can tell you that as you spend time with God, as you read faith stories, the desire grows and your tastes begin to change. It's like this circular thing that happens. So often the problem is we get defeated at the starting point. You might even sit there and be like, oh, I've tried this before. I've tried spending time with God. I've, I've tried listening to teaching. It's like, it's a lie that it will not change us. It will change us. Sitting under the words of scripture will change us. And what happens is when we see a tiny moment of victory, then it's almost like the whole circle begins to change. It's like, yes, I've seen victory in this area. I've overcome in this area. And then bit by bit by bit by bit. And then suddenly the circle goes and the growth begins to happen. But teaching and training have to go hand in hand. One danger in the Western world is that we take teaching as just this cerebral thing, but then there's never this outworking into training. The power comes when teaching and training become enmeshed, when they become together. So I want to take a moment just to speak about training. If teaching is like our diet, it's like the things that we put into ourselves, then training is how we live it out. And Paul's metaphor for what following Jesus is like he uses athletics, running the race, being in the fight. I wanted to look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beaten the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Elsewhere, Paul says, I swear my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. 
2 Timothy verse 4 verse 7 to Timothy, Paul says this, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Can you see Paul just uses this metaphor again and again in the same way that he talks about our mind, he talks about the race. And I want you to notice the central role that discipline takes. The title word above the passage in my NIV version of um, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 9 is this, the need for self-discipline. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Verse 27, I discipline my body. What Paul is getting at here is what's generally called the spiritual disciplines or what we prefer to call the practices of Jesus. The spiritual disciplines are practices based on the lifestyle of Jesus that create time and space for us to access the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, we begin to see transformation happen. Now, just want to, for a moment, give you a list um, of different examples of what this looks like. And these are practices that are taken out of Jesus's life. There's no definitive list. It's just looking at the scriptures and saying, what did Jesus do? Silence and solitude, prayer, fasting, anything to do with the Bible, reading, meditation, memorization, community, being in community, eating food together, Sabbath, Sunday gathering worship, communion, teaching, serving, justice, simple living, giving, confession, celebration, secrecy, gratitude. Can you see there are so many different practices that Jesus had and used? And the point of the spiritual disciplines or practices is that they're not an end in themselves. They help us to live like Jesus, to become more like him, to reflect his nature, to help us in the secret of the easy yoke. Discipline is a way to access this power. Spiritual discipline is any activity that will help you access the power of the Holy Spirit, really a power that's beyond ourselves. Willard again says the disciplines are activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total living into effective cooperation with the divine order. Disciplines, spiritual disciplines, are how we partner with God to change. Now, there is definitely a place for training in the Christian life. Now, some people, when we start talking about discipline, the need for self-discipline, training, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Thought it was all about grace. It's like, well, do you know what? It is all about grace. It's all about what God does. But in order to live out life in the kingdom, actually, there is some intentionality and there's a lot of training that needs to happen. Some people are worried, well, the danger is we're going to become really legalistic by, you know, talking about these things and doing some of these things. Yes, that has happened in church history. However, I would just counter that by saying right now in the vineyard that we are a part of right now, we, in my mind, are in no way in danger of the pendulum swinging all the way over here into becoming far too legalistic. I don't think that's our danger. The truth is every relationship takes effort, whether it's with family, friendship, dating, spouse, all of it. It takes a degree of time. And in your transformation, you have a part and God has a part. You have a role to play, as does God. We have a responsibility, as does God. And just to clarify, in this partnership, God is the one that does the heavy lifting. 90% him, 10% us. But there is a partnership going on. That 10% that we do, it matters. It matters both to God and it matters to us. And as the saying goes, without him, we can't. And without us, he won't. 
the spiritual disciplines are part of our transformation, our part in our discipleship to Jesus. And all they do is open our mind, our body, our life to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to do the real work of transformation in and through us. So just in finishing today, talking about transformation through teaching and training. If you look back over this past week, what have you been feeding your mind with? If we are in the process of renewing our mind and teaching and truth that comes out of teaching is so important for our souls. What has that looked like in your life this week? One of the things that we launched a couple of weeks ago was this concept of start the day. It's like, let's all as a community try and start the day with the Lord. That's not the end game. It's not the totality of what we're trying to do. But we believe that if people could get into that process, it's almost like the beginning of that cycle that I talked about. If we can begin to see things change, then suddenly we're into a growth moment. It's like, yes, we can see. We, I can change. I can be closer to the Lord. And so how's that going? We launched it a couple of weeks ago. Some of you might have done a few days and then dropped off. We're trying to encourage that this becomes a habit. And in order for it to become a it to become a habit then we often have to do it for a fairly long period of time 40 days in order that something becomes a habit so how's that going with the teaching and what are you feeding yourself in in order that your mind can be renewed and then secondly we are people who are in training who are training to live like him i love verse 26 in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beat in the air. It's like, oh, I'm just going to not actually hit you. And it's strong language. It's language of intention. I've, led a, I've read out a list of over 20 different practices of Jesus. And over the coming months, we're going to focus on different practices. But I wonder whether some of us need a mindset shift. It's like a, a change of direction. That it's like, I, I've got out of training. Do you know what? I, even thinking about that concept, it's like, I don't think I feel like that's what's going on. If we want to be good at anything in this life, practice makes perfect. An athlete trains, a pianist trains, a sports person trains, a doctor trains. In order to grow, we have to practice. An apprentice of Jesus commits to train and it starts with the intention of I want to change. I want to grow. And then secondly, we come before the Lord and we're like, Lord, what do you want me to grow in? So teaching and training, such an important part of our transformation. So just in finishing, I want to pray. Jesus, I just want to say I, I want to look more like you. Lord, if there's any discouragement about going after the things of the kingdom right now, I pray that you just break them in the name of Jesus. That we open ourselves up before you and pray, Lord, change us, change us. Let us have the mind of Christ. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name. Amen.